Blog Talk Radio. and around the world, streaming live on the internet, it's Real Estate Coaching Radio, bringing you the latest news, interviews, and secrets of the top producers, hosted by award-winning real estate coaches, Tim and Julie Harris. And welcome back to Real Estate Coaching Radio, and as always, we're broadcasting live from lovely Austin, Texas. This is your source for unfiltered, full-strength honesty about what is truly working to get you into action and make you money in this new real estate recovery. So today I'd like to, uh, again, welcome back Julie Harris, my co-host. Thank you so much. It's great to be here. And, of course, Lonnie Rosales, and she is our also, she's going to be our co-host today as well, and we're going to be doing a little interview of her. And a lot of you guys know her from AG Beat. It's one of the few blogs that I actually read every day. Um, I love it because of the fact that it's so entrepreneurial, and she's always bringing a lot of different things from really different. I have to say, of all the things I read, uh, I read Inman every day, I read Bloomberg every day, and I read her uh, blog every day. And it's, it's a really great I, I think it's a great entrepreneurial thing that gets your, your brain juices really working and seeing the opportunities that are that are really emerging uh, as part of this real estate recovery, but it's also, uh, as, as our economy continues to recover, she is speaking to an audience of, I think, entrepreneurs outside of the industry and in addition to that, folks in the industry. So it, it really is a great website you guys should be checking out, agbeat.com. Julie, you've got a little bio for her to read? I do. Just to do a formal introduction, uh, our guest today is Lonnie Rosales. Again, she is the COO of agbeat.com, which is not about agriculture, but is americangeniusbeat.com, agbeat.com, and sister site real, realuoso.com, co-founder of thebash.com, and has been repeatedly named as one of the Inman 100 most influential real estate leaders. She's a seasoned business and tech writer who has published one business book and has two more in the works. As a digital native, Lonnie is immersed not only in advanced technologies and new media, but also is a stats nerd, often uh, buried in piles of reports, which makes everything that she does that much more interesting. So without further ado, I'm formally introducing Lonnie Rosales. Thank you guys so much for having me. I appreciate it. Sure. So, Lonnie, one of the again one of the reasons that I really uh, had our producer seek you out for an interview is because I really do like the content you have on your website. Let the listeners know. Didn't AG Beat start out as Agent Beat and then you evolved it to American Genius? Am I remembering correctly? You do remember that correctly. In fact, if you go back a little bit further, it began as RealtorGenius.com. But of course, we got the old cease and desist from NAR. So I was we had to say. <laughs> agentgenius.com, which was originally focused on the real estate industry. And what we realized um, as industry insiders is that realtors and real estate agents are the quintessential entrepreneurs. And because we were writing so much content that was being used outside of the industry, we pivoted to include entrepreneurs of all types so that we weren't excluding anybody because. What we found was people were reading and saying, hey, I know I'm not a realtor, but should I try this in my business? And our answer was universally, yes, give it a shot. And whether it was a marketing tactic or a different technology tool, um, you know, realtors are able to vet things much faster than the average industry. So we expanded to include all sorts of entrepreneurs. And so we have a strong hold in the tech industry and marketing, and we cover economics and all sorts of interesting stuff. 
But yeah, we did start off in real estate, and we've since launched RealUSO.com, which is a sister site that is specifically kind of an inside look of more of the politics of the moving pieces in real estate. So you said something that I really attached to, because we say this as well, and I 100% agree with you, and I, and I also notice our industry doesn't really say this that often, real estate industry, that you know, real estate agents are entrepreneurs. So that's yep. kind of an interesting, but that's a fact, isn't it? I mean, you're self-employed, but you really are an entrepreneur. It's just like starting any other business. But folks entering into our industry, they don't really think of themselves that way, do they? They don't, and what's fascinating to me is that you know, part of our inspiration is the average agent who is just boots on the ground, who more than almost any other industry can make decisions on their own on the fly. So they can try tools, whereas, you know, in a, in a more corporate environment, you have to get approvals and you have to get budgets and everything else. An individual agent on the street can try something and, in fact, they can know much faster whether something works or not because, Agents, more than anybody else, are looking at their ROI on a daily basis, whereas some industries can take months to figure out whether something even works. So agents are a fascinating case study for entrepreneurialism, for sure. And you know what's also cool is about Austin. I mean, we've, we've not lived here as long as you have. I don't, are you from Austin? You are, aren't you? I sure I am. I'm one of the yeah. 12 natives. <laughs> but Exactly. <laughs> so you know what's interesting about Austin is even though this is the headquarters of one of the largest real estate brands in the world, Keller Williams, it's also uh, one of the few cities where the real estate market is dominated by small boutique um, brokerages. And that's, I actually love that aspect of the Austin area real estate scene because there's so many people that are true entrepreneurs and they embrace that. Is, that some, is Austin leading the edge? Is there a, do you think there's going to be a trend back to small boutique style brokerages? Or, do you have an opinion on that? I, I have a very biased opinion on that because I come from the boutique <laughs> brokerage world. <laughs> but um, what we're actually seeing on a national level is that independent brokerages are blossoming simply because individual agents and realtors have the opportunity to try it their way, quote-unquote. And so, you know, whether that's opening a different type of team, which I see as almost an independent brokerage within a large brokerage, or whether it's opening their own brand altogether – I think that people are tr willing to try new things. And consumers, I believe, are willing to try new brands. They're not just stuck on the name brands. Now, there are consumers who are always going to trust the larger brands or the brands that they're familiar with. But because consumers seem to be more open-minded to the idea of independent brokerages, I think that now is a really good time for people to you know, go out and try it on their own, as, as thousands upon thousands have. Well, so Lonnie, sure. whether you're a boutique agent or whether you're with one of the brand names, you know, from, as you said, I like what you said, the boots on the ground agent, from their perspective, you know, they get emails constantly, they have seminars and webinars and speakers in their office. How do you see agents making good decisions? What should they be doing in terms of core online marketing activities? Because, you know, you could spend hours studying all the different things that they get bombarded with. And I often, yep. as a coach, get a question, you know, how do I decide what to do, what not to do, what's good, what's not good, what's absolutely necessary, and what doesn't make a hill of beans difference to my business? How do you sort all that out if you're the boots-on-the-ground agent? That is a really good question and one that we're completely devoted to and trying to vet different products and services and tactics and methods. And it's it's really a kind of convoluted answer, but let me just say the shortcut is to – look at some of the companies that are in markets similar to yours that are succeeding. So 
what I mean by that is let's say you're in Dallas and you're, you know, you're looking to figure out, okay, do I do X, Y, or Z with my website? How do I launch, you know, an independent brand or how do I make my, you know, uh, corporate affiliations work better? How do I market best? What a lot of people make the mistake of doing is looking at their direct competitor in their market and saying, you know what, I'm going to, they've already got the roadmap, you know, I'm just going to do what they do. And there's a lot of truth to that, so that's one shortcut. But we've found that agents that seem to be succeeding, with, particularly with marketing, both digital and traditional, are doing a great job of looking at other markets that are comparable. So, for example, Dallas and Houston are similar types of markets. Austin is not a market similar to those. So someone in Dallas looking at some of the most successful agents in Houston and even picking their brain because they're not competitive can be a great way to go through some shortcuts that you otherwise would have to devote a lot of resources to. But So that's one roadmap, obviously studying and staying up on trends. But I think the most important way is just to try different things that are low cost to see what works and what doesn't. And by what works, I think the definition is whether it converts or not, because any sort of particularly online traffic tool, anything like that, can create leads, but do they actually generate into conversions? So that's a long, convoluted answer. <laughs> well, so you're very, you know, obviously very wired into technology, uh, in emerging technology specifically. I know, you know, you're, you you go to the Enman conferences, you, you you're communicating directly with all of these guys that are, you know, wearing their hoodies in their basements. That you know are starting to. What, what do you see on the horizon that excites you? That's going to be something in the real estate industry that all of us are going to be talking about a year from now. That's a really good question. I think there are a couple of different. One is um, wearable technology and kind of where these digital, the actual physical technologies are going. And um, some of the tools that I think are neat are uh, Android Wear, which is you know your watch that talks to your Google account and it gives you reminders and you can send your emails and you can you know verbally do everything with your watch so that you're kind of hands free. Um, NavD and AVDY is a new projection tool for cars that put your text messages, your emails, everything else up on your screen and it's hands free so that you can do everything by voice and hand gestures. Um, so I think that the physical technology is finally catching up to where you don't have to do 800 clicks to do something very simple. It can just be done with your voice. So I think that's really uh, the nerd inside of me is really excited about that. Um, the even nerdier side of me is very excited that finally a lot of these digital technologies online, particularly social media and marketing, are finally coming out with ways to play well with each other. Now, they're not doing it natively, but there are a lot of startups, for example, ifthisthenthat.com, which make these different tools play well together. So, for example, if this then that takes a, you can tell it, hey, anytime I update my Facebook profile picture, I want you to automatically update my Twitter profile picture, my Google+, you know, my Cloud, my, all of my different profiles without me having to do anything. So what technology digitally is finally doing through third-party apps, fortunately and unfortunately, is they're making all of these different tools work together so it's a lot more automation, which can save everybody tons and tons of time because truth is we all have to be in a million different places online and it's pretty obnoxious. So anything that I can find that cuts down on my time or my company's time is a huge win. And I think agents in particular that are willing to experiment with that are going to be uh, really well off with automation. 
See, guys, the reason I read her blog, yeah, (laughs) agbeat.com, make sure you check it out. So, Julie, you had a question? Yeah, so, Lonnie, you know, speaking of all these different things that they have to do, is there a technology that you will see uh, that you can foresee being passe a year from now, maybe something agents are doing now that you know they won't be doing in a year? Um, You know, that's a really good question. Let me give you a non-answer. How about that? Um, One of the things that we've just noticed is um, a lot of people have called themselves uh, the tech-savvy broker, the tech-savvy agent. And, yes, there are blogs entitled that, but people have taken that moniker on. And that's great, but that's already become pretty passe. What we think will be passe next year is the paperless brokerage. It's a useful concept. It will exist, but it will be so mainstream that calling yourself either a tech-savvy agent broker or a paperless broker, consumers will look at you and say, well, yeah, why the hell would you have paper anyways? Who cares? Like, that's not special. Right. So I think that some of the phrasing around how agents in particular are positioning themselves, that will likely become passe. Um, as for some of the digital marketing efforts that people are making, um, email still reigns, the phone is still great. Um, I don't think any of the social networks are going to die by next year. Uh, but I certainly hope that some of the um, wasted time by agents will. So I think awareness of um, you can't just get on Twitter and talk about your food. I think that people are becoming aware of that. So the next year I think we'll see a lot less of that and a lot more productive use. Uh, yeah, well, you know what? We make, Yeah, I – I don't want to drill that on that any more than you already have, but yes, that's an excellent point. You know, Julie and I are driving down downtown Austin. This is probably about a month ago, and it's on a Saturday, and there's this big car show going on. Julie, what street was that on? Um, where all, where they uh, out the uh, was it Lamar or one know. of those one of those downtown streets? Well, so here's what I see. So I'm I'm in my early 40s, as is Julie, and we're driving around, and I'm seeing these guys. They're in their 20s and 30s that are driving these cars that are like you know, 30 and 40 years older than them. And there were, and I, I stopped to think, why? And I hadn't seen this any other place. Normally when you see old cars, you see guys in their 50s and 60s. But in Austin, yeah, there's old this cars, old guys. Right. I'm getting to something here, listeners, so don't, don't yep. lose interest here. So I thought to myself, that's interesting. So these guys are probably mostly sitting behind computers all day long, doing everything with their minds, their fingers, and doing everything online. And here it is on their off time, they're sort of rejecting the digital, and this is, you know, I hadn't had this thought until I actually saw this because I hadn't seen this in any other place. They're rejecting almost the digital, and they're trying to get back to something that's more analog in nature. Do you think it's possible that as the paperless broker, online, social networking, you know, here's a picture of the pizza I'm having for lunch, as that becomes so ubiquitous, do you think it's possible that the trend actually could be refocusing on that direct personal contact and, and, and maybe a yet-to-be-undefined way? Absolutely, and it's something that um, I've I've been editorializing for a while that we're coming full circle. And what I mean by that is it's not – I don't see it as a rejection. What I see it as is kind of a cycle. So you get online, you're very excited to be online, you discover all these new things, you go try these new restaurants and networking events and all these different things that you discovered online, and then you realize, okay, well, I don't need to do all my networking and food discovery online – I now have a more healthy offline life, which especially in Austin is important, but in any city, what the Internet has done is expanded people's awareness and gotten them to try new things. So now they're more willing, I believe, to do them as opposed to we would have 
what would we have done 20 years ago? We would have, you know, called a friend and said, hey, what do you want to do this weekend? What's going on? And relied on whatever they said instead of having endless opportunities online to find those things. So the way I kind of think of it with, you know, agent life is, you know, once upon a time you only called your mom and said, hey, mom, who is that dude that sold your house? I guess I'll call that guy. And now you go on Facebook or whatever your choice is, and as a consumer you say, hey, you know, who sold their house recently or what, who's your favorite agent or what do you think? And that's the word of mouth that people are relying on now. But that word of mouth is 10 different agents are tagged in that particular status update instead of just one person who randomly sold your mom's house 20 years ago. So I think that we've kind of come full circle and not necessarily rejected, um, you know, the digital life, but used it to enhance our offline life. And I think agents in a particularly good position to benefit from that, especially if they have at least a minimal presence on at least Facebook so that they're there when somebody asks these types of questions. Well, so you have uh, – I was doing some research yesterday in preparation for our interview, and you have this other website called The Bash. And you did a – you guys had an offline, you know, person-to-person – I don't know what you want to call it. It wasn't really a meeting. It was more of a, a mixer of sorts. So you're essentially seeing that um, and that you know people spend all their times online, and yet they, people are wanting to get together. They're, they're thirsting for that direct human contact. So yes. share with the listeners what thebash.com is. So the bash is um, short for Big Ass Social Happy Hour, and that was um, the brainchild, actually, of my husband, who is the founder of AGBeat and RealUSO.com as well. Um, so we had this little barbecue mixer, and everybody came to it. There were maybe six of us in Austin on Twitter at the time, and it was brand new. It had just launched, and we all felt kind of Internet chatty and, like, kind of psycho-stalker that we all knew each other, and we felt so connected. Like, we were really close, but we'd never met in person, and it – it was it was back in 2007, you know, there's a different context to it. It wasn't normal to necessarily still meet everybody online. It still felt like the 90s where you weren't supposed to meet anybody on the Internet, right? It wasn't safe. So we had this little barbecue, and the next month everybody said, hey, Lonnie, um, where are we meeting this month? I was like, I don't freaking know. Like, just meet wherever you want. But it, it turned into this thing where my husband and I were organizing and, you know, getting the bars together and, you know, paying for different things. But, you know, what we found is that this community blossomed almost overnight. And now, I mean, there are 6,000 subscribers to the email newsletter just to know when the next one is. And so people have definitely decided, hey, look, I'm going to use the Internet. I'm going to find what interests me, which they've all now learned how to filter what does and doesn't interest them. And I'm now going to use this to get offline. So for us, that's a great benefit because we run this big-ass social happy hour and we want people to mingle and connect. And, you know, it's to us, it's kind of our kumbaya, like, let's give back to Austin thing. We organize this mixer for everybody. But, you know, I mean, that's like 500 people in a room that otherwise wouldn't really have a reason to connect because the commonality that they have is the Internet. Like, what an amazing commonality to have. And what's great is that even though we have all these real estate routes, maybe two or three realtors show up. It's not necessarily a real estate event. So there are all these networking events like this in other cities that are great opportunities for agents to go into where they're not swamped with a bunch of other agents because what do we all do? We have a habit of 
sticking to the people we know and going to agent mixers, and then we miss out on the opportunity of all these people saying, oh, I guess I could list my house. Like, I wasn't even thinking about it. You know what I mean? Yeah, totally. It's it's awesome. I love the name, too. Of course, I love anything with swear words in it. Julie, you had a question? <laughs> Such a potty mouth. Yes. Well, with all this online activity, kind of a blast from the past type of a question. You know, the word disintermediation. This is come and gone, you know, many different years. Removing of the middleman, removing of the agent potentially. Do you think that there will ever be a time when the real estate agent will actually be removed entirely from the equation? Let me answer that with a swear word. Hell no. And the reason I say that is because it's already been tried for so long and by so many companies. And I think um, Redfin is a great example. They started off as such a, you know, this idea was to kind of disintermediate and this idea was to shake up the industry. But they're really, you know, pretty much just a modern traditional brokerage. And they've reverted back, you know, even their wording has changed. So I think that it's been tried and the idea that a human being is not going to want their hand to be held for the largest transaction of their entire life is ridiculous because people think that the value – consumers often mistake the value of an agent, as everybody listening already knows. Sometimes people think that the value is finding a house. Okay, give me a break. Agents, that's like 1% of an agent's job, Right. The value proposition is negotiation and the ability to market properly, depending on whether you're a buyer or a listing agent. I, I know that listings is where it's at, but, of course, there are always buyer's agents out there. So I think that the idea that agents will ever be automated or you know, disintermediated in any way is kind of ridiculous because travel agents were disintermediated because their core function truly was to get you, you know, into a plane. And that's it, and that is something that can be automated. But buying a house has 8 billion different moving parts that can fall apart at any time, not just one. So if real estate was one moving piece, sure, agents could be disintermediated. But real estate is hundreds of moving pieces that one agent at any time has to be balancing against the agent on the other side of the transaction. So it's just too complex to be disintermediated, even if consumers don't understand why it can't be disintermediated, which is why... You have these kids in the basement with their hoodie thinking, I'm going to change real estate. No, you're not. Make it better. You're not going to get rid of agents. It's it's just too complicated. It won't work. Do you think that agents should be worried about the Zillows and Trulias of the world and the reach that they're getting now? No, not at all. It's the, the amount of attention that is given to the real estate search platforms is ridiculous. It's just a marketing platform. It's like worrying about yellow pages back in the day. You know, it, it kind of the, all the hype about this reminds me of when companies used to think, oh, God, my, my company name better start with the letter A or I'm not going to be the first one they're going to call. Who cares? It's just like one tiny little piece of your marketing, and if that's your sole worry, then you're, you're worrying about the wrong thing. <laughs> Well, so as an agent, since you said the word worry, what would you be worrying about? Or maybe worry is not the right word, but what would you be maybe focusing on that if you could like major, wave a magic wand and get real estate agents to like focus on one thing that everyone seems to be missing, what would that be? Um, I think that more attention needs to be paid to uh, two things. One, negotiation skills. And by negotiation, I don't just mean, you know, going up against opposition. I mean negotiating, uh, you know, with your clients, on behalf of your clients, communication skills. And I think that that's something that lawyers understand, 
and I, sometimes people love when you compare agents to lawyers. Some people hate it, but lawyers often are independent agents as well, and they know that they have to negotiate a contract, and that's what's at the root of real estate is that contract. Now, it's it's really easy to worry about all the little moving pieces that get you to the point of getting that contract, but if you can't execute a contract, no matter how many listings you think you have or you're going to get, you'll have a bad reputation if you can't execute. So I think being able to negotiate and navigate and communicate in a modern world where consumers do know what Zillow is, they do know what an automated valuation model is, and they are going to call you and say, well, you know, Zillow says my house is worth 500000 Well, no, buddy, it's 230 but, you know, here's why. And when agents understand the world around them and understand all the moving parts and they can negotiate based on a wide understanding of all of those parts, then they'll, they'll succeed. But that's what a lot of agents need to worry about because they're not well-informed. Many agents are not listening today. Many agents are not reading AGB or Real USO. Many agents are just going to work. They're good people, but they don't know how to handle those situations where people call and say, but Zillow said. And so that's really I, the main worry is being informed and being able to negotiate. I think you're right. I mean, it really does come back down to education because I don't – you know, in the 20 years that Julie and I have been sort of in the real estate space, it's been a little bit longer than that now, but I have never seen a, a climate where there's been such a bifurcation of agents that are successful in making money and agents that aren't. And I talk, I mention this sometimes, and it kind of makes people mad, but it's true. That there's been lots of studies done on the amount of the number of agents out there that are actually running viable businesses. So let's just look at the numbers. It's a million agents out there. And depending on what you read, there's between 150,000 and 200,000 agents that can afford to invest uh, $300 in their business. That's it, you know. And yeah. of course, that 150 to 200,000, some of them can invest thousands. But for the bulk of the agents out there, you, you're, you guys are talking about it's barely 15% of all the agents that are out there are actually running what I think everyone would agree is a baseline viable business where you can invest $300 to, you know, buy something for your business. That's incredible and it's never been like that before so i really do think what you just said is right because it does come down to the ability to see the conversation about the z estimate as a conversation starter an opportunity to win business not something that you should run from and it you have to know your market like the back of your hand you have to be better at your job now because of all the information that's available to folks online than you've ever been before and you know like like she just said, if you wander into your office and you're expecting somehow to make money through osmosis, it's just not going to work anymore, you know? So the people yeah. will, folks will pay, buyers and sellers will pay for someone who doesn't just claim to be an expert, but someone who actually has earned the right to be an expert because of the fact they've taken the time to master their ability to provide a superior level of service. Jules, you were about to say something, I'm sorry? Well, I was just thinking about the uh, onslaught of, I've read in several places that of the past 90 days, about 30% of the closings have been pocket listings. Well, you're not going to find those on Zillow or Trulia. You know, that means the agent is out there hunting down the next house for you to look at. And, you know, I, I think you're, you're right, Lonnie. You might start online, but you're going to end up having that personal communication and that personal touch, and that's going to be real hard to replace especially as we live through low inventory and all of those things. And, uh, you know, I think your point about negotiation is very valid as well. I've, I'm hearing a lot of, you know, agents losing deals over their appraisals being cut or, 
you know, going to the mat over some silly inspection thing. We've got to have some real skill in this market because you can go online and research pretty much anything. Yep. It gets down to skill. Yep. Well, and I think that often one of the mistakes that the industry makes is um, customer service is, of course, extremely important, but a lot of people think that they have to have, in order to succeed, they have to have this, you know, sweet personality and this likable personality when, in truth, some of the most successful agents are kind of jerks, right? But it's like a lawyer. I'm going to hire someone who I know is going to get the top dollar for my house, whether I think they're going to be my drinking buddy or not. I don't really care. I just want them to do their job. And there's a lot of emphasis put on, you know, being a nice guy and being a great communicator. But being a great communicator doesn't necessarily mean being sweet or, you know, being buddy-buddy with everybody. Some of the most successful agents in this country, and you've probably met most of them, they're not always the most friendly people, but they get the job done. They negotiate like crazy. They know exactly every tiny little moving piece of their market, and they're experts in what they do. Yeah, and then that's a really because you're right. I mean, the traditional way that agents are taught is you have to be likable. You know, you have to go out of your way to be the golden retriever in your marketplace. And but nowadays, uh, I think you, I 100% agree with you. You have to really know your stuff. So. Uh, we really appreciate you being our co-host today. And so if folks wanted to connect with you, what's the easiest way for them to do it? Oh, and you also do uh, a fair amount of public speaking, too. So we have a lot of listeners that might be interested in hiring someone at your caliber to speak at their next event. Let the listeners know all the ways they can connect with you. Um, probably the easiest way is to Google me, Lonnie Rosales, L-A-N-I. <laughs> but, um, Twitter is a good way, but email is the best, Lonnie Rosales at Gmail. Um, you can find me all over the place. If there's a social network, I'm on it. You can probably reach me there. Okay, easy enough. And everyone, listen, go to AGB and uh, start there. Again, great place to get uh, inspiration and ideas because, guys, listen, we are all entrepreneurs. If you have a real estate license, whether someone, uh, whether your broker, office manager, or your husband or your wife or whatnot has told you this, you are a small business owner. You are an entrepreneur. So you've got to think of yourself like that, because when you start thinking of yourself as the business owner that you are, you start making decisions um, that are going to be a little bit more significant and profound than, say, if you're just thinking of yourself as a sales agent. So, Lonnie Rosales, thank you very much for being our co-host today. And everyone, please uh, share this radio podcast with as many different folks um, as you can. And we really appreciate you listening. And have a wonderful day. And thank you. This program has been a presentation by Tim and Julie Harris, Real Estate Coaching. For more information on our real estate coaching and training programs, visit our website at timandjulieharris.com. Remember to tune in weekdays at noon for upcoming shows. And until next time, thank you for listening to Real Estate Coaching Radio with Tim and Julie Harris. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.